Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Spook Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Professor Smoke. What's up? Will and Donnie are on assignment this week, unfortunately. So you just got the two of us this week, but uh, you have to cope. Yeah. <laughs> But we're, we're gonna we're we're kind of kicking off the spooky season, so to speak, here this week with uh, Smoke's choice, and of course, he kicks it off with The Witch from 2015. So, what better way to kind of get us in that October frame of mind than with a oh, yeah. uh, with an old folktale-ish type of uh, witch movie, right? Yep, yep. One that I saw in the theater three times when it came out. <laughs> I did not get to see this in the theater but i i remember like renting it or something i, I don't know exactly i don't remember how i watched it but it was like right after it came out but uh, we'll get into that as far as the release of this movie and everything a little bit later on but trust me when i say it wasn't long after this movie was in the theaters that you could buy it it was only you know yeah. a matter of time later so it, it was probably late 2016 or so give or take when I watched it. But we'll, we'll get into that, what our star ratings are and what our thoughts and everything on it. And of course, like I said, Will and Donnie aren't here, uh, but we'll get their their words, their ratings, hopefully next week uh, for uh, the second annual Spook Show Awards, So, which is, you know, what we're going to be uh, heading into the month of, starting the month of October with is the second annual Spook Show Awards. So hopefully they'll be there next week for that and we'll get their thoughts and their ratings and everything because... Unlike uh, when we did the uh, the fly episode where we actually kind of pre-recorded Donnie's segment, we weren't able to do that this time around. So you'll just have to wait another week at least for their yeah. thoughts. But <laughs> but before we get into the background information and all the usual bits, you can contact us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at AA Spook Show, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Slasher app. You should be able to easily find us by searching for All American Spook Show or AA Spook Show. Or you can just go down to the Linktree link down in the show notes. Pretty much all that stuff is right there, including our YouTube channel, where recently we just started the new series, Grindhouse Gutter. Uh, that one has been a, a pretty good success so far, so I think we're going to keep that one going. And uh, hopefully here pretty soon we're going to be uh, introducing some other new cool stuff over there on the channel, so you want to stay tuned for that. And and, and we also moved the Spook Show Rewinds over there, too. Uh, we, we've got another one coming very soon to the YouTube channel. So we encourage you to go to the link tree link down in the uh, show notes, find that YouTube link and go subscribe to the channel and, and, you know, click the bell to be notified whenever we upload videos or when we do random live streams for stuff. Of course, we want you to go over to the T public page, uh, where, which is also down in the show notes where we have logoed merchandise. We, we've actually put up a, a couple new designs. We now have available the new AA spook show logo, for uh, t-shirts and mugs and whatever the hell else they put it on face mask, all that stuff over there. <laughs> and we also just put up the grindhouse gutter logo for uh, shirts, mugs, same deal. So 
those are the two latest designs over there on our T Public page. So we encourage you to go do that. And of course, the main event, other than the the, the podcast itself, is our Patreon, patreon.com slash a spook show, uh, where every month we have a new episode of Crapster Peace Theater, which the latest episode just came out this past Friday. Manos, the hands of fate. So if you want to hear our thoughts <laughs> or our uh <laughs> our lamentations, however you want to <laughs> however you want to phrase it <laughs> on Manos, you need to become a patron. I think it's at least at the uh five dollar level over on patreon.com slash a spook show. So you can give uh that Crapster Peace Theater, uh which was the seventh edition of that, and plus the six other ones prior to that are all in the archives there, plus all of the uh Library of the Professor video minisodes are over there. I think we're literally up to uh, just a couple weeks ago we released uh, number 69. So <laughs> there's tons of those. Tons, tons of those on there and, and a, bunch of, a bunch of other cool stuff. Plus you get early access to the podcast episodes, all that. So we encourage you to go over to patreon.com slash show. So uh, without any further buildup, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for The Witch. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. this family. there you go that's the trailer for the witch so i guess before we get into the background like uh so you said you you saw this in the theater three times when it came out so i assume that means you just loved it from the word go right yeah i i, I had heard about this well before it came out so i was anticipating it uh it's robert eggers debut feature-length film so 
you know, not knowing who he was, I just had read about this movie that it was a folk related tale that kind of uh, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with uh, the Wicker Man, but it kind of reminded me of that feel when it was described when I was reading about it and whatever. So, and I love that movie. So, any sort of movie that's that folk oriented tale of uh, whether it be witchcraft or whatever, any any anything that like, comes from a folk tale that's done authentically. It's definitely got my attention. So uh, when I saw the, you know, I started reading about it. Then the trailer came out, and yeah, I was definitely stoked for it. So I uh, saw it the first time, and uh, I think it was like a, it might have been AMC. And then the second time, I saw it in like a, a more uh, independent theater, which was cool because there was a lot of people there. It was funny because the first time I saw it in the theater, the regular theater. Once you get to the end, even though it's an A24 film, and, it, and it's pretty much straightforward. When you get to the end, it's not cr- as crazy maybe as a twist and things as some A24 movies have, but it's still it's still a sort of a what-the-fuck kind of thing for some people, I guess. So when I saw it in a- AMC theater, a lot of people were like, you know, as soon as that part happened in the credits roll, they're like, what, what, what the <laughs> hell, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I saw it in that indie theater, it was, uh, you know, it was more people, you know, the atmosphere there, they, the people expected it, independent cinema, so, you know, they the crowd there was more uh, accepting of the ending, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, pl- so, uh, and then I saw it the third time somewhere. I don't remember. Probably AMC again. Plus two of the movie like this, and, I, and we'll get into it shortly, but like the fact that they're speaking in the old English, right? I'm sure that doesn't help the matter of people just understanding what's going on. So maybe they, they miss some of the, because of the lingo, right? Because the way they're talking, maybe they miss a few key plot points along the way. If you're not 100% paying attention to what's going on right yeah because uh, robert eggers wanted to do it as authentically as possible so he used actual vernacular of the time in new england so yeah it's going to have that now for some people this is a problem for i mean I, i'm used to like reading poe and and well you, you read shakespeare you read poe you read hp lovecraft this older you know not that lovecraft is as old as that but still there if you read some older stuff from like 1800s to early 1900s you'll the English was a little different, so you'll yeah. you know you'll pick up on that and stuff. So I, I had no problems at all with it, but I know a lot of people did have that complaint that uh you know that that they didn't understand some of the vernacular. Yeah, or yeah some of the, I mean, the it, to, to put it a simple way, it kind of reads like the Bible. You know, it's like a lot of these, a lot of thous, a lot of woods. You know, that kind of you know just the the old way of speaking. Because this movie takes place, what I think it, I think I saw somewhere it's like supposed to be in like in the 1630s or so when this movie yeah. takes place. So, you know, you're getting that Puritan type of way yeah. of talking and everything, right? Yeah, they're still British. Uh, they had just, they themselves had come over from Britain, the actors in the movie. I mean, not the actors, but the, the roles they're yeah. playing in the movie, they had just recently <laughs> come over to the colonies, I guess. Uh, if they were even colonies at the time, I forget what they were exactly called, you know, necessarily. They weren't, of course, they weren't states yet. Yeah, I think, no, I obviously. They, I'm not sure if they were colonies yet by, at that point. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was, I mean, we're talking about, like early on, 1600s. Yeah, this is so. really early. So, yeah, I, you know, this is first generation everything as far as America is concerned. So, yeah, I'm not sure if they so were. Most of the British, I mean, were, you know, the actors themselves were too, except with the exception of some of them. Like, but, you know, so they speak, not only were they speaking in an older dialect of English, but they also have older, you know, these British accents as well. So, yeah, for some people that, some people I've, I've uh, remember when the DVD came out, they would put the subtitles on. <laughs> <laughs> English yeah, subtitles for English. But getting back to the point, though, I could see where that might be confusing for some people along the way. Like, if you know, if you're not, if you, you don't follow the language, not the language, but you know what I mean, like the way they're talking, the dialect, 
and you're you're not 100% paying attention to everything that's going on. I could see at the end of this being like, huh, what the, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah does, it's definitely a movie. It's like one of those movies where you got to pay attention to it. It's not one where yeah. you can you just put it sort on. Of, uh, maybe you're tired in the theater and you dozed off for like a couple minutes or so and you woke up and you're like, what the fuck is going on yeah, now? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when I, I fell yeah. asleep during like Expendables two or three or something like that, and yeah. somehow I was sleeping through all the explosions, but I still knew, you know, I woke up like however long later, I still knew what the fuck was going on, you know, like it's the Expendables. Yeah. This one, yeah, this yeah. is one and you got to pay attention. True, and if you're in your house messing around, you could be messing around on your phone. You, I mean, if you're watching, like I said, something like Expendables or Missing in Action or whatever, you know. You, well, maybe not missing in action. I've seen that a thousand times. I could like not even watch it and the dialogue's going yeah. on. <laughs> but you know, a, a movie like an like an expendables, one you've only seen once or twice, and you could, you know, not really pay attention to it that well and still know what's going on yeah, yeah, you by can, hearing you, know. you can put the pieces yeah, together. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one, like we said, you need to pay attention to and uh uh you know, we'll we'll get into the ins and outs of our thoughts here in just a minute. But I'll go ahead and uh go through some of the background information that I pulled out. So uh, this movie is also known as, you know, w- without being funny, the, the Vavitch, but it's, it's, it's the witch, right? But it's just spelt with two V's instead of a W because that was like the old, the old way of spelling things, right? Yeah, that was, again, Robert Eggers uh, staying tr- as true to possible to the time period because they didn't have a, technically they didn't really write W's. If they had something with a W in it, it was written like DV. Two V's, yeah. <laughs> they connected it to make the W or whatever I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. It's just that was apparently <laughs> the way it was in the 1600s when they were right. I just yeah. always figured like however they printed it, right? Because obviously they didn't have necessarily typewriters, but the way they would print a book or something, they didn't have yeah. the letter W like you know made. So it was like, well, we got these two V's. This will work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw you know even when I was younger and I would see that old printing like that, I'd be like. Oh, that's weird. They didn't have a W, but it's two V's. You know, I've seen it before. Yeah. Yep. But it's known as The Witch, A New England Folktale. And when you, even when you watch the movie, uh, that's in the title card, right? I think it does say The Witch, A New England Folktale. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't recall if, I got the DVD of it, or the Blu-ray, whatever. I don't recall if it's actually part of the title on the packaging, but I know it's definitely on the screen when it comes up. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, on it's, it's on the title screen in the movie. I'm, I don't think it's on the Blu-ray, you know, on the packaging of it. I think it's just The Witch, but uh, it debuted January 23rd, 2015 at Sundance Film Festival, played at various other festivals, finally got sna- snatched up for uh, distribution, and it, it released wide February here in the U.S., and I assume in uh, other markets around the world, February 19th, 2016. So that's over a full year later from its debut at Sundance to the time that it, you know, finally got a wide release here in the U S. So I'm sure uh, to what you were talking about earlier, about how you had heard about it. This is probably why I'm sure it got a lot of buzz in the festival circuit. And that's where a lot of the hype came in and it worked because for a movie that had a budget of $4 million, it went on to a worldwide gross of $40.4 million. So that's pretty good, you know, for this type of flick, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that's even with, like we said, it's an A24 film, and it was kind of marketed. <laughs> this is one of the uh, criticisms I've heard people talk about it. It was it, the promotional material and the trailer and everything definitely pushes hard into the horror. Yeah. But it's really not. I mean, it, it definitely has those darker elements because you're dealing with the witch folklore and everything. But it's not. It is more of a, like I said, a, a folktale 
which, you know, a lot of good folk tales have horror or, or, you know, that type of element to it, but it's not straight horror. So that I think turned off some people when they saw it, they were expecting it to be, well, I don't know what they were expecting to be a full on, which, you know, Halloween, which horror movie with gore and stuff. I don't know what they were expecting, yeah. from it, but, but they were expecting more horror, I guess, from the trailer and stuff. Sometimes a 24, when it comes to those, when they used to anyways, when it came to that type of thing would push that type would push whatever the, subgenre it was falling into was but a24 films as anybody knows now are are really kind of undefinable genre wise for the most part they kind of cross all, all kind of different genres so yeah yeah i guess they necessarily themselves don't know how to really to promote the trailer <laughs> yeah to show it not just being a crazy conglomeration of everything's thrown on the screen at once so it ends up coming out looking this one like more of a straightforward horror film when it's not to that point on imdb it's listed as a drama slash fantasy slash horror in that order. So that, that's probably more appropriate as to what, you know, kind of the subject matter of the movie is to list it kind of in that order. Right. I mean, there are definitely, like you said, horror elements, but it's not mm -hmm. a full on horror in that sense, but yeah, you, it's you, not, it's, you a, got, it's you like got, dread, like a sense of dread that builds throughout various scenes and yeah, tension and stuff. It's, I, it's mood. Yeah, and everything. Blood, there's blood stuff here and there, but not straightforward gore and not straightforward terror, like sustained terror, I guess, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's more of just a sense of foreboding and, like you said, dread throughout the movie. Like, you, you just feel like something bad is going to happen, and you know, until something does happen kind of thing, you know. Um, yep. And I think it has to do with a lot of elements. The soundtrack, and I, I wish I, I can't, I don't have his name. I don't know who did the soundtrack right now on top of my head. But the soundtrack's amazing to this movie as far as it, again, building that tension and dread and just, and it was also, that was another element of seeing it in the theater that was great because it, it really sounded good in the theater. And uh, of course, the cinematography, and he wanted to shoot everything with a not, mostly natural light, as much natural light as he could get. Uh, he would he shot it that way, and I think cinematography and music and everything going together, and the editing and and the actress performances definitely boost this movie up. Yeah, the film score was written by Mark Corvin. Okay, and he uh, apparently he used some uh, some instruments of the time, kind of, and 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 some other kind of uh, weird instruments, including the the nickel harpa and the water phone. <laughs> but yeah, so this movie was the, the production companies get strap up for this. Cause it's about 18 production companies, <laughs> parts and labor, RT features, Rook's nest entertainment, maiden voyage pictures, Mott street pictures, code red pictures, Scythia films, pulse films, special projects. Okay. So yeah. The last one was just special projects. And then of course it was distributed here in the United States by a 24 uh, rated R, of course. Total runtime of one hour and thirty-two. Um, it was filmed in Kiosk, Ontario, Canada, which apparently I saw where Eggers wanted to film it in the you know the New England area, but I guess tax breaks yeah. and whatnot were just yeah, so, so much think, better in Canada. So we had to go up there. Yeah, at the time I don't know now. Now I don't even know if that's the case anymore. It used to be you get a lot of tax breaks in Canada, but I remember hearing something about they don't go over there to shoot like they used to because it, it, now it's ended up being more expensive. <laughs> yeah. For some reason. But yeah, I know it, it took them a while to scout out that area that looks, that had the same type of trees and landscape that what that was in new England that he was wanting to, you know, to have. So finally found that. And I forget what that town, what that, what that city or whatever it was or rural area of Canada it was, was but, uh, kiosk, Ontario, Canada. And apparently kiosk, it, was, it was very rural too. Like, the middle of bumfuck Egypt basically is where the, where he had to film this thing. The uh, box office snapshot for that particular weekend. These are always interesting. 
So this is for the weekend of February 19th through the 21st, 2016, when this uh, movie opened wide. And it did open to over a little over 2,000 theaters. So, I mean, it did get a, a legit wide release for sure. Um, but number 10 that week, Hail Caesar. Number nine, The Revenant. Number eight, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. So that juggernaut was still on the board when this came out. <laughs> number seven, Zoolander 2. Number six, uh, in its opening weekend, Race. Number five, How to Be Single. Number four, in its opening weekend, The Witch. It made $8.8 million in its opening weekend. But number three, also in its opening weekend, slightly above it, was Risen. Number two, Kung Fu Panda 3. And then number one at the box office for the second straight week, Deadpool, the first one. And of course it was it was raking in. There was like I like you know, like I just read there, there was at least three massive movies. Four if you count Kung Fu yeah. Panda Three, but Deadpool, uh Star Wars Episode Seven and The Revenant, you know, were yeah. were raking it in at that time. So it, there was some stiff competition, even though it was in the middle of February. But it did get a Blu ray slash digital H D release on May seventeenth, twenty sixteen. So it was only three months after it came out wide in theaters that it was uh, out on Blu-ray. And then it eventually got a 4K UHD Blu-ray that came out April 23rd of 2019. Do you have the 4K? No, I just had the Blu-ray. Okay, yeah, I'd like to but see... Yeah, I, I would like to see the, you know, the the picture on the 4K. Yeah, me too. I will be probably getting it at some point soon. Cause yeah. <laughs> do get a lot of 4 I just don't have that one yet. Now that I know it exists, I'll go run out and get it. Yeah. Uh, it was direct, like we've mentioned before, it was directed and written by Robert Eggers. Uh, this was his feature film debut. And really, he's only had two other feature-length films, though, right, since then. The Lighthouse and The Northman. And The Northman just came out earlier this year. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know that he, he, there was a Nosferatu remake out there mentioned at one time before, maybe even before The Lighthouse. But uh, that, for whatever reason, that fell through at some point. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Like I said, anybody who's watched our... Uh, Favorite remakes episode on YouTube will know that uh, Werner Herzog's remake of Nosferatu is is up there for me in like the top, maybe the maybe my third favorite remake. I forget what I listed as, but like I said, that being said, I still wouldn't mind seeing uh, Robert Eggers' version of what he could do with it. Now he did have three other short films uh, before The Witch: uh, Hansel and Gretel uh, in 2007, The Telltale Heart in 2008, and then a short called Brothers, and uh, came out the same year as uh the witch 2015 uh i haven't seen any of those and i have not seen the lighthouse but i did go see the northman in theaters and that was awesome so i've heard a lot of good things about the lighthouse just for whatever reason you know how it is just haven't sat down and yeah. watched it i don't know why but maybe i'll, yeah, it's, it's I'll have to change that definitely good. I recommend it for sure it's uh, we saw that one in the theater once i only saw that one once in the theater yeah. but i saw i think we saw the northman three times as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was good that was good it's it's weird in the sense of like once again, it's another one of those you really have to pay attention to what's going on. And that's even that one's even worse than this as far as like the language barrier kind of thing, right? Because you know, they're, they're, a lot of that movie they're speaking in Vi- uh what speaking of Viking. What whatever language it is in that movie, right? Uh yeah, I guess the old Norse okay, at the yeah, time would have been. Yeah. Lighthouse goes without saying as well, too. That one's another one. <laughs> I don't think Robert Eggers knows would or would even have any uh interest in making a straightforward film that's just like a popcorn movie you know? that, yeah at this point i'd like to see that like you know like you know what dude just make a normal movie let's see how it looks you know like not not normal but you know what i mean like something of yeah. a current time period that's kind of you know for lack of a better way of putting it cliche just a, a regular old genre movie let's just see you do that 
Because that would be interesting, just, you know, because this dude is, uh, you know, he's so good at doing like these period pieces like this, you know, these things that, you know, hone in on a certain time, you know, I mean, he's, he nails it. He knows how to do that for sure. We, we've seen yeah, that. Attention to detail is like phenomenal <laughs> that yeah. he has. I mean, yeah. And, and that's another thing that we'll get into about this one here in just a minute. But the movie stars Anya Taylor-Joy as Thomason. Uh, this was her film debut. She also went on to be in Split, Glass. The New Mutants, Last Night in Soho, that was just last year, and of course, The Northman, which you'll see a little bit of a, a, a connecting thread here in just a second. Ralph Innocent as William, he played in The Green Knight, From Hell, uh, he was in a handful of episodes of Game of Thrones, and he was in The Northman. Kate Dickey as Catherine, that's the mom, she was in Prometheus, The Green Knight, handful of episodes of Game of Thrones, and The Northman. <laughs> also... For those who haven't seen The Lighthouse and wondered, well, he uses a lot of these same actors in The Witch, and he's using them in uh, The Northman. Why didn't he use them in The Lighthouse? And that's only because there's only two actors in The Lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that much about the movie. Uh, that's a limited cast. Uh, the only one really worth mentioning here is Harvey Scrimshaw as Caleb. He's the, uh, I don't know, what would you say? He's about 12 years old, I guess, give or take in this, you know, his role. Boy of the family. Uh, he was also in a, another movie after this called The Devil Outside, but... Still pretty limited because he's young. So he's only been in like five or six projects. But yeah, to your point about like uh, as far as like just nailing every aspect of the time period in this movie, like they really went out of their way uh, in this one for that. Like as far as like the uh, the costumes and everything. And they even like designed them not only the way they would have been, but they used some of the same materials and everything. Uh, they really uh, consulted a lot of like experts on 17th century British agriculture uh, they they wanted to get down the the way they spoke and everything because that would have been of the time period, right? This is a family that would have moved from England in that time, so they wanted yeah. to make sure they were speaking the way they would have spoke, um, wearing the same clothes they would have, uh, all the way down to the way they set up the house and their little farm or whatever there. Like they went to lengths to make sure that it would would have been set up exactly the way it would have been at that time, and they even brought in a thatcher and a carpenter from. Uh, <laughs> Virginia and Massachusetts to uh, properly build this thing in the style of that period. So they Eggers really went out of his way here to make sure this thing was as you know spot on as possible. And it definitely paid off. For, I mean, for that, I mean, especially considering the budget. I mean, to do all this stuff on not on a Hollywood budget. <laughs> yeah, you know? just four. Mi- I mean, just four million for a movie. That's not a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's not a lot. These yeah, days. for me and you, Especially yeah, four million. That we'll never make that in our life. But for a movie, that's not a lot. Yeah, yeah, and like, and I know they saved money on, like, so the natural lighting. He wanted to shoot, I guess, in the day that you know when he had sun and shoot all this stuff without having like a bunch of different artificial spots and cans and things hitting people at different. He didn't want it to look stagey. All he wanted it to look as natural as possible. Yeah, like outdoor is like natural light. The only lighting inside the house was candles. So, yeah, like it's it's as natural as it's possibly going to get. I'm sure they I, I would imagine they probably back that up a little bit with some lights just to make yeah. sure, you know, they had they could see what the fuck yeah. was going on. But still, you know, <laughs> supposedly this is the way they did it. So and like it you definitely said, did look stingy. You know, you've seen those movies and I love them like ham, let's say I mean, just for a for instance, like Hammer movie gothic period setting type movies. But, you know, you, you got that stagey lighting where it's yeah. coming, you know, like spots and cans and everything yeah, where they, hitting, that, like somebody's lighting walking, and somebody's walking across with a lantern or a candle but yet you can clearly see there's a spotlight on them that's moving with them you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's definitely not like that in this. They did a good job of it, you know, however they got around it. While I'm thinking about it now, talking about the cinematography and the lighting, just the scenes when they're traveling and when they get kicked out of the village, right? And they're on their way to wherever they're going to find to set up to build a house on and everything. Those scenes, it's like, like that scene when they stop and they're out in the woods, right? It's sort of a foreboding type scene in and of itself. There's nothing at all scary about it necessarily, but you get, you definitely, just that the way he shot it, you get the feeling of them being there by themselves in this wilderness, basically. Yeah. Because, you know, you got, got see the, the, the horse and buggy right there, and then you see everything's lit by the campfire that they built because they stop, I guess, to, you know, to sleep or to build a fire for warmth and for cooking food or whatever. But it's just very much, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain. You've seen those types of scenes before in movies where, you know, a period setting and they people stop to camp or whatever. But you just get that sense of them being out here on their own, nothing else is around them or whatever. And all you see is their little, little fire lighting their little space right there. It definitely opens it up to, like, you know some shit's going to happen later that's just going to be eerie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's refreshment time. And our refreshment stand is loaded with good things to eat. There's crispy, crunchy popcorn. And hot, delicious buttered popcorn. Lots of candy. And frosty, refreshing cold drinks. Why not treat yourself at the refreshment center now? For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So... I flopped on over to Audible and I typed in The Witch to see what would pop up. And, and of course, some books about witches popped up. The Witch, A History of Fear from Ancient Times to the Present by Ronald Hutton. That one is uh, almost 16 and a half hours long there on Audible. Witch, A Tale of Terror, and that's an Audible exclusive by Charles McKay and Sam, Sam Harris. Uh, that one's just a little over three hours long. And then we have... A Secret History of Witches by Louisa Morgan. That one is a little over 17 and a half hours long, so there's tons. Trust me, you go and type in The Witch on Audible, there's an ass load of witch things. Like I think only so many pages will pop up and it maxed out. Like I've got over 60 pages on Audible of witch-related things, so you can imagine. So uh, what, what better at the spooky season than to uh, hop on over to Audible and download your free audiobook today. By going to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. So you can really get really get into the October mood. I know we're not we're not there quite yet, but you can really get in the mood with all these uh, witch books over on Audible. Oh, yeah. What we do here lately is I've been hopping over to IMDb, and I just look at the plot summaries that uh, they put up. And for this one, we've got four different ones. Uh, you've got the simple one-sentence one. A family in 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. That pretty much sums it up, but let's go a little deeper. <laughs> New England, 1630. William and Catherine try to lead a devout Christian life, homesteading on the edge of an impassable wilderness with five children. When their newborn son mysteriously vanishes and their crops fail, the family begins to turn on one another. The witch is a chilling portrait of a family unraveling within their own sins leaving them prey for an inconceivable evil. Uh, one more that's really long. In the 17th century in New England, the farmer William and his family are banished from the Puritan plantation controlled by the church due to differences in a religion principle. William leaves the spot with his wife Catherine, his teenage daughter Thomason, his son Caleb, and the twins Mercy and Jonas, and settles at the edge of a forest. They build a small house and a barn, and meanwhile, Catherine delivers the baby Samuel. One day, Thomason is playing with Samuel near the forest, and the baby mysteriously vanishes. 
The family unsuccessfully seeks Sam out and Catherine becomes insane, praying all the time and mistreating and blaming her daughter for everything wrong in their lives. However, William goes to the forest to hunt since the crop has failed. Early in the morning, Caleb, Thomason, their dog, and the family horse go to hunt in the woods. However, Thomason falls from the horse and faints, and Caleb becomes lost in the woods. William finds Thomason and Catherine confronts her about Caleb's fate. Is this the beginning of the tragic end of their family? And that was uh, posted by Claudio Carvola. And uh, just one more, since, you know, there's only one more left. Banished from the bosom of their righteous pilgrim community. <laughs> what a way to put it. The troubled patriarch, William, and his Puritan family set out a humble farmhouse on the outskirts of a thick and dark forest in mid-17th century New England. As the struggling family tries to settle in their new isolated homestead, before long, disaster will strike when their infant child vanishes into thin air. And, shortly after, other unforeseen and grievous calamities smite the God-fearing farmers. However, is this grave situation the result of a family on the brink of a psychological breakdown? Or is William's firstborn daughter, Thomason, the root of all evil? And that was uh, posted by Nick Raganis on IMDb. So, yeah, that pretty much, uh, you know, all those, you slap all those together and you pretty much get the plot of the movie, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Where do you start here? I mean, I guess you start right from the beginning when, like, they're kind of cast out of this village, right? This, uh, what would that be? Kind of a, not a town necessarily, but it's like a settlement or something that they're. Or a settlement? Yeah, yeah maybe. Like yeah, that. probably a settlement. I guess it would be a settlement because, like I said, I, I haven't checked into 1630 if they were called colonies or not, but I don't think so. I think yeah. they were. Settlement is probably the word. Either way, this was, you know, they're, they're kind of. Now, they never really got to the root, or maybe I just missed it once again, you know, kind of, uh, reading between the lines of the language, you know, the way they, they speak in this movie, but did they ever really specify exactly why they just kind of got booted out other than just religious differences? Like, was there something specific there? I didn't hear No, I, I didn't hear anything specific other than, I think it was just his, like, well, the thing is too, that's kind of ironic about it is, is a lot of people came over here from Europe to religious freedoms, religious freedom to do what they wanted to do the way they wanted to do it. And, uh, Seems like I guess he wanted to do it <laughs> even more differently than the people who were in this village were doing. So I, I guess he had, even though they don't specify anything, I guess he had run-ins with the clergy there or whoever, or as far as him doing things his way. That's what uh, I wonder whether I, whether they were more hardcore. Yeah, I think they or were. Like, were they not hardcore they, enough? You know, that was my question, really. I guess. I think they were more hardcore as far as. Uh, is as, as, as taking things more literally and doing things more by the Bible as opposed to the village. Yeah. You know, okay. the, 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 I got you. Being kicked out of. So that's what, the, well, actually, I don't know. Technically they weren't kicked out of it. He, he was stubborn and hardheaded enough to say, well, I, I don't want to be here with you imbeciles. I mean, he didn't put it that way. But yeah. 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 I don't want <laughs> you, uh, non God fearing imbeciles or what, you know, like I said, I'm just However paraphrasing. It, yeah. Yeah. So they just took off and left. Um, yeah. then, then like you, like it said in the, in the plot summaries there, they go and kind of set up their own little farm and then they have a baby and then Thomason is out there that, you know, she's the main uh, girl of the movie. She's out there with the baby playing peekaboo and it's like peekaboo and then she uncovers her eyes and the baby giggles and then they do this two or three times and then she uncovers her eyes and the baby is gone. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, gone, <laughs> like not a trace. You don't see the, you don't see the trees move or anything. It's just poof. Baby's gone. And, and she's in the field, right? But then she's at the tree line, not too far from the tree line. And she looks up and it's weird. And there's another, that's another great way that he shot that is like, you don't necessarily see anything, 
but you get a feeling that she maybe caught a glimpse of something yeah or the three branches moved or something you, you get the feeling that you know that something came in took the baby and went yeah, yeah, but you don't see a clear you don't see a clear track. You don't even see a clear anything. You just figure something came out of there and grabbed that baby and you know took off. That, but you don't see anything. There's not a whoosh or a blur or anything. It's just peekaboo. Open opens her hands and then bam, baby's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked a little bit later on when the uh, the the twins. Uh, you know, they're they're just kind of annoying twin. You know, little. Uh, yeah. How, how old Typical. would they be? Six, seven, eight years old? Just annoying little kids, yeah. you know. And uh, they're fucking, yeah. <laughs> they're fucking with that goat, the black Philip, who you know yeah, becomes yeah. a bigger figure later on. But <laughs> they're just they're fucking with that goat to the point where he's all pissed and just. Wait, <laughs> 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 like, man, you don't know what you're fucking with, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, and they're uh, and you know, them being twins, they have their own you know little communication things too with each other or whatever. So yeah, yeah they're. Which gets, which and gets, with the goat, you know, which gets whispering weirder, in the goats weirder, and weirder and weirder as the movie goes along, right? Yeah. But we we talked about it before how how well they just nailed that time period though, like or at least what I imagine. Now, granted, I wasn't alive, right? So who the fuck knows? But what we all imagine and what history suggests is the way things would have been in this time period. They really nailed it in this movie, no doubt. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, pretty quickly did things escalate from the time of them getting kicked out, them being on the road. And that time, I think I mentioned about them stopping in the campfire and you get this foreboding sort of atmosphere or whatever. And then, then they get to the spot where they're like, okay, this is it. Boom. This is where we're going to build our place. Then they cut to the scene where that they, they, whatever amount of time is going by, they've already built the cottage and a work shed and all this stuff. And then boom, then she's out there playing with the baby bam, the baby's gone. I mean, it's yeah. all pretty quick. I, I didn't oh, really yeah. look at the time. I want to say but, that happens within the first 10 minutes, all of that. Yeah. Like first yeah. 10 minutes. So yeah, you, you get a sense of, uh, dread and, uh, everything pretty much right from the get go, but definitely like that scene with the baby, that's what sets you up for, Yeah, you know, there's, there's some fuckery going on, going on here, you know, like something ain't right. And they're not, and he's not wasting any time to get to it either. No, <laughs> you no, know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I want to say it might even have been less than 10 minutes in all that stuff. Ooh. Yeah. A little bit later on when, uh, Caleb, Caleb get they go hunting like we alluded to in the plot summary there, and then she gets knocked off a horse and knocked out or passes out, or whatever happened to her. Caleb just kind of keeps going and finds this this the witch's hut or whatever out in the forest, and then whatever happens with the witch, Caleb's missing, but then he eventually turns back up, butt naked, <laughs> like you know out in the middle of the night. He comes in and I guess he's just whatever happened with him and the witch. He is sick and suffers for like what a day or two. And then yeah. that whole scene where he dies though, that was pretty fucked up. Now, that was intense too for, I'm sure for him shooting that scene, I'm sure it didn't. Uh, and I think I read that, uh, Robert Eggers did actually didn't direct that scene. Somebody else directed it. And I, I don't remember the reasoning why that was a second unit director. I don't, whatever the case may be that scene of him, uh, with that intense scene, of the possession or whatever you want to call it. And leading up to, by the way, this we're spoiled, the spoiler field podcast thing here. You yeah. Know, leading yeah, up yeah. To, if you don't want to, at yeah. this point, we're really going to be spoiling it. Yeah. We, but, we, uh, should, we get, that's a good call. Yeah. We should have said that we are a spoiler field podcast. So if you have not seen this movie, you might want to uh, pump the brakes, hit pause, go watch the movie and come back. Cause we're about to give it away, but go ahead. So yeah, before, you know, leading up to his death, I mean, that, that was an intense scene right there. And just, uh, and everything after that, everything just escalates, you know, 
Oh, well, also, I guess we need to go back, backtrack a little bit to after the baby got stolen. We, you don't see it right there. You know, like I said, she's looking down and boom, and then the baby's gone and she's looking toward the, the tree line. But then I think shortly after that, the camera goes into the trees and the witch, into the witch's cabin or the witch's hut, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's a pretty messed up scene because you have the babies there. Uh, and if you know anything about folklore of witchcraft from Europe to America and the whole, you know, Puritan witchcraft or and, and Salem witches and all that stuff, uh, babies uh, are <laughs> unfortunately they they you know part of the folklore they use the babies parts and stuff to make flying ointment. In other words, so they don't of course show they show the aftermath. So you, the baby's there, the witch is like. You kind of barely see her, but you can tell she's haggard and everything, right? And then uh, the next scene is she's got this pile of blood and parts and stuff, and she's, like, rubbing it on her and rubbing it on the, the broomstick and all that stuff. And, you, of course, you know, like I said, some people are, I think, confused at that part because if you don't know anything about witch folklore, you might, well, what happened to the baby? Where's the yeah. baby? Because, I mean, they don't, of course, they're not going to show what happened to it, but that's the basic, baby basically got torn up and used as, yeah. As the uh, witch's ointment and stuff like that and whatnot. So that seems pretty pretty messed up. And I mean, I said it's not necessarily brutal because, you know, you're cutting you from the it. scene of the baby being alive and there. And then all of a sudden you're cutting to the scene of this bloody mass that she's, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think you so, see you her know. grab like some shears or a knife or something. She grabs some tool, yeah. but you don't see her do anything to the baby. But you yeah. you put two and two together that, yeah, this is what <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> But fast forward part back to this part. They, back for, fast forward back to this part with Caleb. Whatever happened to him? Like he, it's like he gag. There's a part in there where he gags on something. He kind of hacks it up, and it's like a a ball. Like at first, it's almost I thought like, it was an apple because they're talking about apples. Yeah, yeah or yeah. they were talking about going into the woods to search for an apples, even though apples were more of a. I don't know if it was more of an England thing from England that they had. You know, I don't know. I can't remember now. There was something about they were they missed apples from back in England. And so I know they were always talking about, I think Caleb mentioned something about an apple. Like he thought he saw an apple on the ground or he saw something, but the apple plays a role in the movie. And I don't know if it's necessarily has anything to do with like at the garden of Eden per se symbolism or something along those and the devil and whatnot. Probably. I mean, there's a lot of religious symbolism in this movie. So yeah, it's, it wouldn't be far fetched to, to go down that road. Right. Uh, That's what, that's what I would think. I mean, it was an apple. I thought when it came out, of his mat while he's coming up and then he like, yeah, I, I couldn't, that, that, that makes total sense now that you say that, but I couldn't quite tell whether it was like a, like a little ball, a ball of like, like something wrapped egg up egg like or sage or something wrapped up. I mean, at first it almost looked like a, like a fucking eyeball coming out of his mouth, you know, but oh, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you don't really get time to study it and they never say what it is. So I guess, you know, it could be anything really, but you're probably right there. Not that you point that out. That, that makes as much sense as anything, but he does that. And then he just lays back down and it's almost like he's praying but it's almost like really like it's like he's seeing Jesus or something like right yeah. before his death, right? Rapture, like he's got the rapture. Or something. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, right. As, he, as he's dying, and then then he goes because he's like, yeah, you know, he's 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 literally in a rapture or whatever, and then he yeah, he's lays like, back I, down. I feel the warmth, Stop. and then yeah, just lays back and yeah. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> yeah, yeah, that was scene because you know. Also, we didn't mention that Thomason is being accused by her mom of being a witch because the twins, she was messing around with them earlier. 
saying that she's she's the witch of the woods. I be the witch of the woods and all this, and I'm gonna ca- curse you and everything. So you know, she was messing with the twins. So now they're like saying, "Well, Thomason's the witch." And, yeah, yeah. And, and that and, that <laughs> and then they you, were like, and, and that gives a, you a ta- and that gives you a taste of how it was in those days, as far as like how easy it was to accuse someone. Like all you needed to do is like, well, I don't like that motherfucker. Fuck him, he's a witch. Hey, you know. <laughs> and now they're burning you, you know, because some dude didn't like you. And that, yeah, definitely. And it was, uh, it was this was I think I read too that this was about sixty two years or so before the Salem witch trial. Yeah. So you had, uh, I mean, everybody during that time period believed in witches. In other words, if somebody were to say this this old lady down here who lives by herself and she does this stuff with herbs and she does, you know, but she's a witch. You know, so people believe that that she was a supernatural witch. She could fly around on brooms and would steal, kidnap babies and do all that stuff. So it was very easy for them later on to start accusing people that weren't, you know, that, okay. that weren't witches, of course, that you know, were just like, they, they might've messed around with herbs and knew this, this or that ingredient to help with this remedy or that remedy or whatever. But a lot of times it was something else, some other reason why it was a jealousy or something was going on where they would just, these, yeah, you know, yeah, it was just easily, ask, yeah. I, I just love how illogical it all is because it's just like, hey, that, that woman's a witch. Oh, yeah? Well, the only way for us to find out is to burn her. <laughs> and if she doesn't <laughs> die, then she's a witch. Then she's a witch. If she dies, well, egg on my face. You know, <laughs> it's so illogical. I thought supposed to throw in the water, and if she floats, she- no, that was Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, love the prim- I love the premise, though, of... If you, if you, they were accused and all right, we're going to burn her. If she's, st- if, if she lives then she's a witch, what was their plan then? Like, <laughs> what if somebody actually said, fuck you, blah, you know, you know, they're a witch. Like you can't burn them. <laughs> what, what are they all going to do then? Like, oh shit. You know, <laughs> we just unearthed a real witch. <laughs> now, the other thing was the torture too. Like, uh, I don't know, you know, like you, you torture somebody. And they're, yeah, they're going to confess to all kinds of stuff. I mean, just to keep from yeah. being tortured again. So, I mean, that, that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, you're going to get a lot of confessions of people saying, yeah, I'm a witch. I just don't want you to, you know, don't pull my fingernails out anymore. Yeah, just just stop, <laughs> stop. I, I I did it. You know, who cares? You know, like, most then, people then would do anything burned. to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a witch. Ha ha. We got you full shit. And then they burn you. <laughs> <laughs> The whole thing is just so illogical, but you know, yeah, that's, that, yeah. I guess that's just the way of the way of the times. You know, they just, they didn't think things yeah. through that way over there in what in Europe, like Spanish Inquisition, and oh, this also that also reminds me. I, I think I sent I sent some pictures to you on the chat and everything, and, and I wasn't sure if uh, Eggers was influenced by Francisco de Goya's artwork, but it turns out I was watching some interview and he did he used the word Goya esque ending talking about yeah. the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, so. So yes, then. <laughs> so yes, he was. Pretty much had meanings in mind when he made this movie, or before he made it, when he wrote the movie, or whatever. So but yeah, anybody who's out there watching or listening to this, uh, and you've never heard of Francisco de Goya, go check out his Witches Sabbath paintings, and you'll you'll see the correlation and mood and tone and everything of those paintings, and you know this movies. So a little bit later on, the mom is just insane with grief because now she's lost her newborn, now she has lost her son. Uh, she thinks her daughter, her oldest daughter, is a witch, and they basically lock them up in a barn. By them, I mean like the twins, because now they've been they've been playing along with this thought that Thomason is a witch, right? They they've really been pumping it up and acting like she's a witch and kind of going into a fake trance and everything. Yeah, acting like they've been bewitched by her. Yeah, yeah. So like 
the, the parents are just like, fuck this and lock them all in a barn, like literally like nail them shut in a barn. Uh, so she has like a fever dream or whatever the hell she has the mom inside the house while this is happening. And, uh, she believes that she sees her, her two sons and she picks up the baby to, Oh, you must be hungry to feed him or whatever. And then it pulls back and there's just a fucking crow sitting there. Her, like eating her, her breast. <laughs> you watch that and you're like, what the hell, man? <laughs> and then she, I, apparently, I guess she just goes back to bed happy after that because then like it's the next morning and she wakes up and she, you know, you can see the blood on her, uh, you know, pajamas or whatever. Yep. Yep. So that, uh, <laughs> so he definitely is saying, I guess saying that it's a supernatural thing, but you know, that's going on as far. I'm guessing then I've also, I've read that he's, he's dropped some hints here and there of, something where you could reason out what this was, that it may not have been supernatural, but he's not saying that it's not, but there was, I've seen the movie four times. Well, more than that now, I guess five, maybe even six times. <laughs> and the only, uh, we haven't gotten this part yet, but while I'm thinking about it, the only part that I was thinking of that could be seen as not being supernatural is when, uh, Thomason is passes out after her scene with the mom, you know, she goes into the barn and she passes, she kind of like puts her head down and the camera goes to black. And the next thing is she's lifting up and then Black Phillip and his human and his demonic devil form or whatever is going through that whole spiel about signing the book and everything. So that, you know, was she... And I know we haven't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> well, I mean, just, we're about to get there. So, I mean, we'll kind of get there in just a second. But so the kids, the, the twins and Thomason, they're locked in the barn. They see the witch is in the barn, right? Like... Whatever she's doing with the goat, there's like a regular white goat in there or something. I don't know what the hell she's doing with the goat. <laughs> but well, then part she, of the floor too is well, she, I think she landed on the roof from her. I guess know, she, she had a broomstick. She, she came in there somehow right? on the roof. Yeah, and came down into there. And uh, one of the, some parts of the witch folklore is that she they curse uh, the milk from cows and goats and things so that it won't it'll give blood and not milk because yeah. there's a scene earlier where yeah. it gave blood. Yeah, when, when she, Thomas was, she was milking the goat and there was blood in the bucket. So there's there's some of that in there where they where the witch curses the livestock so that it won't be <laughs> that, proof. That was pretty milking. funny though. The witch turns around and <laughs> yeah, it's the very I, typical. I yeah. <laughs> but now that's the thing though. Like they don't show you here what happened there. I assume that she must have took the twins and just tore that place apart. Because when yeah, the, that, they all wake up the next morning, like the barn looks like a tornado hit it, and yeah, Th and yeah. Thomason is just laying there in the middle of it, and the twins are gone. Yeah, yeah, and then the goat or the the cattle, I think, are dead, right, laying around, except for well, except for yeah, except one. for black, yeah, except for <laughs> black Philip, he's he's running around, yeah. and that's what happens next. But what exactly are you led to to believe happens there? Because they never address the twins again, because it all kind of goes to yeah. shit almost instantly yeah. at that point. So that's true. Yeah. I guess that she now I don't know as far as now the witch folklore like how old the children would need to be for them to do what they needed what they supposedly needed to do for making their flying ointment and all that stuff so I don't know if you're led to believe that she took them back to her hut and did whatever whether she you know did what I, the, the the witch and Hansel and Gretel did and ate them I don't know yeah I, I, think, I think you Gretel's. have to be led to believe that the witch took them because otherwise we're you know what happened yeah. there right what if if yeah. the witch didn't, then what? Where the fuck did they go? Yeah, I seriously yeah. doubt Eggers would have left that big of a plot hole. You know, like well, they just ran away into the woods. You know, <laughs> we're never going to address that again. 
So there had to have been some element there where you're basically right after that, maybe Thomason gets knocked out. She grabs the twins and just, you know, blows a hole through the side of the barn and takes off with them. Right. I assume. Uh, but just as soon as basically Thomason gets up because her dad comes out, you know, to take the morning piss or whatever, <laughs> the morning constitution. And then black Phillip runs up and just knocks the living, like gores him basically. Right. Just knocks the living Wait. fuck out of him. His head butts him right in the ribs, like, like, yeah, like, like full on. And that, that, by the way, it it catches you off guard just watching it on your big screen TV or whatever. But in the theater, yeah. <laughs> especially the first time, it's like, what the? Ah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you feel that because it's, I mean, he's a goat. You're see, you're seeing him. Look, he kind of looks up at the sky, which is kind of odd at first. Like, you know, is it, what is he looking? Did he see a witch? <laughs> did he see her? Yeah. He looks up at the sky. And then right then is when, bam, he gets Ooh. hit right in the wrist. Yeah, and he's instantly, like, yakking up blood. So, I mean, it, it it pretty much put the death blow on him right there. But then it backed up and nailed him one more time. And he yeah, said, right into the wood pile. Yeah, he <laughs> says something. I don't remember what he said. And then the thing just knocked the shit out of him and, like, right into the wood pile. So, he's dead. You you know, or at least you can pretty much gather yeah. he's dead, right? And then... There's also that point where he, he had he picked up a weapon of some kind, a blade... Yeah, I was about to say, I think it might have been the axe that was there with the woodpile. But then I don't know if he just kind of, at that point, see, there, there's some, again, Robert Eggers and his writing and everything, too, and it, like leaving things open to interpretation. It's almost like, I wonder if he just gave up at that point. He's like, why do, what do I even have to live for now? Yeah. Just just do it, you know, just basically, you know. Because yeah. he had the axe. He could have, like, waited for him to come in and then swung, you know, hit him with the axe or whatever when he went in to, to headbutt him again or something, but. It's like he just gave up at that point. He's like, put the axe down. And I forget, too. Like I said, he said something. Uh, I don't remember what he said, but he says something, and then it just nails him again, and that's the end of him. But knowing what you're about to find out with Black Phillip, it may not have mattered if he brained him with an axe, right? Like, True, yeah. <laughs> you know, like because uh, apparently he's he's something else. Yeah. And and what is that something else? I don't know. I'm th- I think he just turned into Captain Jack Sparrow for a second there. That's, that's what I think. But, uh, <laughs> so Tom, but the spurs right, and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But basically, uh, the mom comes out and like, uh, you know, accuses Thomason of all this and attacks her. And then Thomason has to put her down, right? Like she, she stabs her or something. What is that? Like a spade or. I think it's a garden trowel yeah, or some kind of something some, like that. Some sort of garden-related instrument. <laughs> she has to kill her mom. So basically Thomason is like. Her whole family's gone now, either gone or dead. You don't know, really know what happened to the twins, but I think it's safe to assume they're gone and dead. So, yeah, her entire family is gone at this point. So I think she just kind of gives in to the madness. Yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier where she goes into the barn right there after she killed her mom. Yeah, she takes like her, like her, not her, I guess her dress off, but she's yeah, still got yeah, like she the over part, out, yeah, outer yeah, part, whatever. Yeah. She's got on the, then, then just puts a, then just puts a blanket around her and just sits at the table and falls asleep until nighttime, right? Yeah. Then, then she wakes back up because she hears some kind of racket, some kind of chimes or something like that. Goes yeah. and goes back out to the barn and and just and just decides to talk to Black Philip. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's about like she she basically beckons Black Philip to say something to her, right? Can you really speak or something like that? And then he doesn't, of course, at first. I know. Yeah, so it's like, right, oh, until right before she turns around to leave, and then that's when he speaks. Yeah. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? And a <laughs> few other things. It's it's a creepy scene because I think you don't really see anything happen there. You know what I mean? Like, you're not looking at a talking goat. 
You know, they, they didn't get too corny with it. Like, you're not seeing a goat with his lips moving or anything like that. You don't see that. And you didn't see in, like, uh, other witch folklore. And also, uh, we haven't mentioned this yet. And I think you've seen this. You've seen Hot Song before, right? Yeah. The Swedish yeah, yeah. silent film. That that movie's all about, I mean, it's almost semi-documentary style of, like, witch folklore at the time. And uh, I also recommend anybody who hasn't seen that movie, hell, you can almost watch that and then watch this back-to-back, and that'll give you some background. If, you, if you're not up on your witch folklore, yeah. watch Hot Song and then watch this one, or vice versa, whatever. But, uh, you know, they <laughs> He could have went the route of like the witch kissing his ass, you know, because that was. <laughs> you remember that scene? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of witch folklore <laughs> that apparently the witches, you know, to to show their loyalty to the devil, would uh, devil would bend over and the witch would kiss his ass, basically. So, you know, you know. At least he didn't go that route because that would <laughs> that would just be too corny. Now, now, I mean, it now just, over. I mean, it wasn't meant to be corny back in the day. It was meant to be a very terrifying thing. There's a devil and the witches kissing, his, showing their loyalty by kissing his ass or whatever. But it, wouldn't really work and it worked for Hoxon, but it wouldn't work this movie. Now's so, as good a time uh, as any now's as good a time as any to mention uh that way back in episode ninety eight, earlier this year, was when we did that one hundred years of horror where we we did talk at length a little bit about uh Hoxon and all the other That's, movies that you know, horror movies that came out in nineteen twenty two because it was a hundred years ago uh this year. So if you want to listen to that little deeper dive on that and some other movies, including Nosferatu. Go back in the archives yep. of episode 98 for that. That was a good one. But yeah, so like she's talking, like you, like I said, you don't see the goat talk, but it talks back to her. And then there's just a dude, like I said, for lack of a better comparison, <laughs> it's almost like a swashbuckler or Jack Captain Jack Sparrow kind of looking dude, which I think you're only left to assume is Satan himself, right? Kind of yeah. walks up behind her and kind of offers the life, so to speak. Like Sign the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See this book in front of you? Sign it, you know? <laughs> I, can, I don't think I can do that or something. And, and then he says, like, I will guide thy hand or something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she couldn't write her name. Yeah, she, she couldn't bring she herself to do it, whatever the scenario was. But then you cut to her butt naked. I think he tells her to take her clothes off, right? Yeah. Remove your shift or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and then remove thy shift. And then, like, the next thing you see is her walking butt naked out to the woods. She goes out to the yeah. woods and there's a cover <laughs> yeah there's like a coven of witches out there like dancing around a big fire and she just walks up to it and i guess kind of like accepts like well i'm part of this now and then, at, this is after they all start floating in the air and then <laughs> and then she just kind of starts floating in the air and smiling like i guess she's in now and then i think that was it right credits so yeah, it was kind of like a close-up shot of her, and you kind of see that you can tell that she's levitating up, but it's a close-up shot. And then when she gets to wherever the point is that they want to be, then the camera goes wide, and you, she's like floating at the top of the pine tree there. Yeah. What did you think of the ending? I mean, like, how, what were your takeaways as far as like what you thought? Do you think the movie achieved what it set out to do? And what do you think about the ending? Yeah, I definitely think, it, like, as I was saying before, it being true to witchcraft folklore and also the Goyan paintings I mentioned this out, that whole floating thing too, that again, very much reminded me of, and that that's where I was heard the, the interview with the uh, Eggers where he we actually referenced Goya was in that floating scene at the end and everything. And I think it, it definitely achieved that ambience or atmosphere. So I thought it was a perfect ending just because even though a lot of people, like I said, watching an AMC theater thought, what the fuck's that? <laughs> what the hell's going on here? You know, I thought it was perfect for, this movie, I don't, I don't know how she could have ended it to make it 
to get that atmosphere. To be fair, you are left with a few questions here, like what happened to the twins? Uh, what exactly yeah. is she getting into? What the hell is that? I mean, I think anybody that's paying attention can figure out, well, it's a coven of witches. But they don't come right out and say that. You know, so there are questions here that, like you said, if you're not if you're not really bathed in the folklore, so to speak, you might be like, what? You know, <laughs> so I could see that. Also, the, people have read into this a feminist aspect to it because of her, you know, well, the coven of witches and female empowerment and everything at the end. And I know Edgar himself said that he didn't write it that way. He didn't he didn't he didn't intentionally shoot it or write it that way. But uh, I guess he's fine with it people interpreting it that way, which I mean, you could interpret it like that because yeah, I mean, yeah. first of all, another thing is a familial is you know, the, the drama aspect. Like we said, the genres are drama, fantasy and a horror. And the drama aspect stems a lot from the family dynamic and how it falls apart. Not just from the witchcraft angle. What first it is, because I mean, the baby gets stolen, kidnapped or whatever, but then things happen like, and you can, you can blame it on the witch, maybe the curse or whatever that she's in the area and it's just her curse. So, but you know, crops and, and not being able to hunt or not being able to find any animals to hunt and things. I mean, just stuff starts happening. Terrible, you know, not just the baby, but survival stuff, just them not being able to get what they need. And then the, the whole thing of the cup, right. Or the the, the wife's uh, cup that her father had given her before he, or, you know, an ancestral heirloom and to where the husband had sold it off. But yet he is almost like he didn't want the wife to know that he did it. So he was going to let, the daughter take the blame for oh, it yeah, because yeah. she had mentioned oh, she tried to cover for her dad or whatever. And so, so there's this whole family dynamic of like stuff falling apart on top of the crap with the witch going on, you know? So, yeah. Plus there too, there's that thing of like, clearly like that under kind of sub story, so to speak of like her kind of coming of age and clearly wanting her own independence and her own thought and everything like that. Right. So like she's in a, a religious, a very religious family. And then in the end, when they all go away, she basically trades one religion for another. You know, like there's a lot of symbolism and allegory, you know, going on here. There's a lot. There's a lot in this movie, you know. So I think that's not only lends for a good conversation when we're talking about movies like this, but this, this is proof of a good movie when you can sit and really debate and, and discuss things about, you yeah. know, what you've just seen instead of like, well, this guy died, and oh, that was a cool, gory scene. The end, you know. <laughs> Moving on to the next one, you know. So there, there's more here. There's more meat on the bone with a movie like this. Yeah. So, you know, you can definitely appreciate that, right? Yeah, and you could definitely tell that, you know, be, this being his first movie, that he was going places <laughs> after that. Even though he's on, yeah. he's like one of those auteurs, though, where it's like he'll take, he's going to take his time to do this movie or that movie. It's not going to be like he's going to put out ten movies in three years or something like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you could definitely tell with this movie being his first one that. I was eagerly anticipating his next movie and I thought it was going to be Nosferatu because that was announced and then it ended up being a lighthouse. And you're like, you see that movie. I know you haven't seen it yet, but when you do, you're like, damn, this yeah, and yet again, nails the period that he's going for the time period and the, the vernacular of sailors and things of that nature, you know, and then again with the Northman. So, yeah. uh, I'm eagerly anticipating the next film he's going to be putting out. So. Yeah. Whatever, whatever what? comes next, I'm sure we'll, we'll all be on board for it. That's, that's for sure. Um, yeah. or at least you and I will, you know, we'll, it remains to be seen how Donnie and, uh, will feel about it. We'll see. But with that being said, I guess we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and get to the star rating. So, uh, what do you think? Oh God, this is, I mean, I, I'm, this is probably the fifth time I've seen it now. I'm kind of going back and forth on, on the, the half and quarter stars part of it. And can't, I mean, it's very about five and a half. For, yeah. Like five and a half. Yeah. We can't five go over two. five. That's the only, <laughs> and I'm also trying to gauge things of like, how much do I like this one versus 
other Robert Egg, his other three, the other two movies, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, first, I'll say that I'll, I'll say the order I like them in the best: The Northman, The Witch, Lighthouse. Now, that doesn't mean that they're that far apart. That's yeah. just one edges the other out just a little bit here or there. Now, the the Northman's going to edge it out because of my <laughs> my deep interest in the subject matter. Yeah, it's more it's more in your wheelhouse. Yeah, and uh, this one is two to a certain degree. I'm gonna have to go with uh, I think oh, I go in four and three quarter stars. Love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big one. I'm not going to go quite that high, but I, I'm still going to give it a solid four and a quarter. Uh, I think that's uh, more than fair with my scale. And, you know, that's just, once again, like how we do this. You know, you, you do kind of naturally compare to other movies yeah. that we've watched. So, you know, with that in consideration, I you know, I, I'll, I'll stay at four and a quarter. But, yeah, this is a great movie. This is, uh, I want to say it's probably the third time I've watched it. And, I mean, it's 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 just so well done. It's not necessarily for me something I'm going to watch all the time, but like a once every year or two kind of movie. Yeah, this is this is that kind of flick, you know, for me. Yeah, because um, like I said, I've seen it three times, fairly close to session in the theater. Since then, I've all, you know, it's been spaced out for you now. This is the first time I've seen it in a while, probably a couple of years, anyways. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the the first three times were all right together, and I've seen it probably maybe three times since. But like I said, it's been spaced out for years apart. Well, We'll see what Will and Donnie have to say about it, and it'll be interesting, of course, as it always is, uh, especially when it's a movie that you and I probably yeah. can lean more towards than they will, but we'll we'll see. That being said, just between us, you got about a four and a half. I think the critics and, me, the, and the usual aggregates I, kind of kind of agree with where we went with it. On IMDb, it's got 6.9 out of 10 stars, but the Metacritic, Metascore is 83, and that's out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes, once again, tomato meter, Certified fresh, 90%. But surprisingly, I guess a little bit, the audience score is only 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that, <laughs> that's kind of surprising. But uh, yeah, I think for the most part, they agree with what we had to say about it. it this is the rare exception where I think the critics, uh, we kind of agree more with the critics than we do the audience. <laughs> it's usually kind of the other way around with a lot of the movies we yeah. watch, you know. Um, definitely definitely when it comes to like exploitation type movies (laughs) yeah yeah exactly they're gonna be like this is like half a star what the hell is this but meanwhile we're like oh this is this is awesome four stars you know (laughs) bronx warriors only gets half a star what the fuck yeah yeah yeah. case in point (laughs) case in point street trash you know (laughs) yeah yeah. all right so as we've said will and donnie can't be here to give out the kill count and the uh crypt connections but smoke i'll leave it up to you Gore score. Well, yeah, as we've been discussing, this is not a. Uh, we talked about the horror element being played up more in the trailer when it came out than it actually is in the movie right now. It's got that sense of dread and everything, and it's got a little bit of violence uh, of gore. Well, a little bit, but. <laughs> well, literally, uh, William, the dad, gets gored. So there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he spits up blood, and then you got a. Uh, you got the, the the mom getting killed with the with the planning tool of some Garden sort, tool, the bladed, yeah. whatever that is. And then you had the the raven in the dream sequence eating the mom's breast. Oh yeah, that's yeah, pretty. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it was, it was actually. I mean, you see a little bit of you actually. Again, that's one of those scenes that you feel more than you. <laughs> yeah, when it pulls see. back and there's a crow oh, like munching on her breast. Like, oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you have the uh, the son who, I guess he, you know, he's spitting up some blood or whatever when he's going through his whole, you know, right before his death and everything, and the, and the apple coming out of his mouth and all that. Uh, then you had the baby. That was pretty terrible. Even though, like we said, you don't see direct 
violence there, of course, you, you don't want to see that. You still know what happened. Uh, but yeah, you got the aftermath. You get the, the witch rubbing the, the, the gore, so to speak, on her broomstick and all that stuff. So so that's pretty horrific. And uh, But overall, like I said, not it's not meant to be a, a, a gory-type horror movie or anything. So uh, I think I'll go with... Uh, I think I'll go with six. I think that's good because, uh, like I said, it's not a lot, but what is there is fairly disturbing or whatever, especially the crow, the baby, and the uh, black Philip getting it. That's more of a out-of-nowhere-like thing that kind of jump scare almost <laughs> to get you at first when he, uh, when he gores the, the father. Well, there you go. I think that's a good way to start off, like, uh, not necessarily the month of October, but just the whole Halloween spooky season. It's a good way to start with the witch. Uh, but next week, we, we really kick it off in earnest. Uh, we always call October kind of our Super Bowl, so to speak, our WrestleMania season, if you will. Next Monday, October third, with the second annual Spook Show Awards, we've got uh, tons of tons of uh, spookies to hand out. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, it's 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 based on our uh, our time period from a little bit before October of last year. So it goes all the way back to the, basically the movies that are eligible are episode seventy four. All the way up to episode 127, which uh, was the one that we, you know, this episode. So the witch is included uh, in that criteria. That's kind of where it ends. Um, so we, we have all kinds of categories, you know, including like uh, the best of cult corner, cannon fodder, crapster piece, uh, best and worst. We call those the, uh, uh, what is it? The worst is the burnt turd. And then the, the best is the golden bomber. <laughs> uh, we'll have... <laughs> Categories for best best movie during a camp spook show, our best older reviewed horror film, best newer review horror film, tons of categories, and of course we hand out our, our spook show scream king and scream queen awards as well. So you don't want to miss that. That's next week, right here on the channel, or, or right here on the on the you know the podcast feed. Uh, it'll also be posted up on YouTube and all the other places. And if you're a member or a patron, uh. uh of the spook show over patreon.com slash a spook show, you will get it early. So, uh, lots, lots of stuff. Uh, you got that to look forward to. And then of course we got all kinds of cool stuff planned for the month of October. A lot of things we haven't even completely revealed yet. Some of that stuff will be revealed next week. So trust me, lots to look forward to coming up in the month of October, leading up to our fourth anniversary show on Halloween. I guess that's it for this one. So for Will and Donnie, who couldn't be with us, of course, professor smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week.